You're listening to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Care of You. I hope you enjoy the show. The Spider on the Dance Floor is dancing to In Spades, the eighth studio album from the Afghan Wigs, and their second after reforming in 2012. It was released on Sub Pop Records on May 5th, 2017. It was produced by band leader Greg Dooley, and it reached 108 on the Billboard charts. The Seder arriving to the throne is a chef, video producer, and the guy who designed my logo, Casper Davies. Welcome to the show, Casper. Thank you very much, Derek. So I know this is one that we talked about doing originally for season one, and then because of some scheduling conflicts and me, I think, having just a complete brain fart at one point, we didn't get a chance to do this. Uh, you yeah, started a yeah. new uh, you started a new project, which we're going to talk about at the flip. So I'm glad we were able to uh, take advantage of the coronavirus and nobody able being able to leave their houses <laughs> to sit down and finally and finally do this podcast that we've been talking about doing for I think about 18 months now. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely been a been a been a minute since we uh, since we talked about it. It has. So I'm excited it's finally happening. And uh, let's go ahead and get this party started. How did this album enter your life, Casper? actually entered my life from from you as far as i remember um when i read on i, th I think it was a facebook post to be honest uh, and i had seen you'd mentioned the album i was like wow Derek, he likes a lot of music let's let's see what that, that album's about and uh, at the time i was working uh, on on the oil platforms offshore mm -hmm. so i when commuting from from poland from Wrocław to to denmark uh, which was where i was working at the time I used to listen to lots of music, especially on the travel, and I was always always looking for like a good album that would uh, that would kind of get me from point A being home to point B being the workplace. And when when I saw your post, I figured, well, this album seems interesting, and uh, it caught my attention. I think probably with with the second or the third track on the album. I think it was the third track actually on the album. This um, demon in profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because. You know, it's it's kind of um, it's not monotone the album, but it, it's fluent. Yeah, it, I find the album to be quite good to sort of pass time, if you will. So that was how it entered my life, anyway, about two years ago. Okay, well, terrific. I I didn't realize that I I was the influence behind that. So that's always cool to hear because I am a huge fan of the Afghan wigs and everything that Greg Dooley touches, essentially. So I yeah, was uh, this this album entering my life was just this is the next album coming out, and I'm going to get it right this very second. So. <laughs> I, I must also probably add that, that this probably makes for a more interesting conversation because this is the f the first I know of at the Afghan wigs. Uh, whereas you, as you just said, are a longtime fan of them, and so I think that kind of for people listening, it gives a dual perspective of the of the group itself. I was curious if you had heard anything by them before, and uh, that that's the first. Uh, so, and you know, I tell you what, you could do a lot worse as an introduction to the to this band than this record. I think this is a, a fantastic record, and I think shows a lot of what they're really good at, and a lot of what Greg Dooley had been working on in the meantime. Because I mentioned they had uh, originally the the wigs had broken up and. I think it was 1999, and then they got back together in 2012, which was really just supposed to be for a tour. It was just going to be kind of a one-off tour, and then yeah. they were having a good time, and they decided to jump in the studio, and they recorded Due to the Beast, and then this is the one that came out after. And what I really like about this record, like I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like you had said, there's a certain quality of these songs that helps them hang together without them yeah. being too, they don't really sound same samey, but there's this almost spooky quality to what's going yeah. on that I think they're all relatives, you know, they, they all belong together. They all together. work together, yeah, 100%. 
All right, so then let's go ahead and uh, jump right into our track by track analysis. Track one is Birdland. I was a child, an open letter to be read aloud to the throne. Caught in a spell of stormy weather. If anybody was listening to the show for seasons one and two, I did a thing where I talked about the four different types of album opener. There was the call to action, uh, which is the song that like just jumps you right into the album. Uh, there was the blueprint, which let you know what was going on. It came, gave you the, the themes, the overall perspective of the album. And then one that really didn't come up very often was what I called the teaser. And now this is a song that sounds completely different than anything else on the album. It's usually pretty short. It's a little bit of a sleight of hand. It's like you, it's kind of showing you, hey, look over this way and then punching you in the face, <laughs> uh, everything after that. And the reason why I want to bring it up now, because Birdland is a classic teaser. And since we didn't really have many of those, if any, in those first two seasons, I wanted to bring it up here. This song sounds completely different than anything else on the album. Now, the first time I heard it, I heard a little bit of Prince in this song. And I know Greg Dooley is a huge fan of Prince, but he is on the record as saying that this song is more in the style of Little Jimmy Scott. And this was a guy who had a medical condition. So essentially, he never went through puberty. And so he always had this really high falsetto voice. And he had this very interesting musical career. And I know just very little about it. I've heard a couple of songs. They had a, a bit of an album that came out or there was something happened with him sometime in like 1999 when I was working at a record store. So I am familiar with his career, but not fully. Uh, supposedly this was done all in one take. Uh, he hadn't really written down the lyrics. He got up there and it just channeled right out of him. And there's even a part in the song where he sniffs and for whatever reason, Afghan Wigs fans love that. And so when he went out on the tour for this record, uh, the guy who had pr helped produce the record was like, oh, it's you know too bad you'll never be able to play that song live. And he's like, I'm going to play that song live every fucking night. And he did. So this is how he opened it up. And, and it was great. And he would even do like a really exaggerated sniff and the crowd would go crazy. It doesn't necessarily fit with what the rest of the album is doing, but I love the absurd weirdness of it. And I like a teaser at the beginning. So like the next song is probably the you would consider to be the first real song on the album. Uh, but what are your thoughts on on Birdland? So yeah, you, you mentioned the uh, the whole live thing. Uh, and f for me, generally, this the whole album, uh, again, we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves here, but the whole album, it, for, for me, it always has a sort of live concert feel to it. It feels like you're at an intimate concert. And the first album, the first song, Birdland, it really hits home with that because you've got a front man who's on stage who's kind of introducing the, the group in, in a very vulnerable way. He's, he's, he's quite alone. There's, there's no drums, there's no bass. I think there's a bit of guitar in the, in the, in, 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 on the side, but, um, but it's, it's mostly a cappella. And now you, now you mentioned it with the, uh, the Prince, Prince part. Yeah, I can, I can definitely hear that too. Uh, and one thing I always pick up on is exactly the the fact that he has a little sniff uh, during the song, <laughs> and it's just like the first few times I heard, it, I was like, "That that's a, that's a mistake in the album." But then after you hear hear it more and more, it's it, it kind of shows you the rawness of the group that they have they have a very pre digital rawness to them, and uh, and uh, yeah, 
Birdland. It's uh, it's it's very alternative from the rest of the of the of the of the tracks on the on this uh, album. But I think it's a perfect introduction to what they're doing. It it shares also sort of a slight undertone of um, of, of resentment. Maybe I'm, I might be completely out of field here, but I'm because I did know that the group had broken up, and and, and I know they've made an album before this, being together again. Uh, being reunited but i think there's always a level of resentment for groups that do get back together uh, and it kind of that tone it reminds me a bit of uh, fleet fleetwood mac when they have have fleetwood mac they had the the album rumors mm-hmm. which was exactly when they were breaking up and you could you could feel quite a lot of the resentment to one another in the music now I don't know the history of of the bat, of the group. the The resentment, as I say, I feel it could also just be from from person to group or from person to band. It, for me, it's it's evident there's there is something on the way in this album, and it's very very nicely introduced with the with the first song. Let's go ahead and move on to track two, Arabian Heights. What are your thoughts on this one, Casper? Okay, so for me, Arabian Heights, I I, I I feel like the drums here they really let you know that this band it came from the from the eighties and nineties indie rock scene um, because the drums is not something you really hear that often. Um, it's got that kind of I wouldn't call it techno, but it it does have something that I've heard before from that era um, in the nineties. I, I feel this song specifically, I like it, um, but it, it's a bit anticlimactic in the sense that there's a chorus that doesn't come before about two minutes in, uh, in into the song, and it doesn't really follow through compared to the build-up. That being said, I think that's still the reason I, I quite like this album, is because it leaves you hanging a bit, it leaves you wanting something, but not in, in, in a negative way. It does it in... in in the sense that the album is a bit of a blank spot, it's a bit of a it tugs you emotionally as far as I'm concerned. What about you, Derek? I love this song. I absolutely fucking love this song. This song kills. Uh, there's so much going on that I really like here. Like just the opening delay effect to start. So it's the guitar, but it's like that kind of sound to it. It hits kind of that one level for a moment. And one of the things that marked some of what Greg Dooley was doing these last two records, because he had quit smoking. And he felt like he was uh, at better voice. And that's why there's quite a bit of falsetto that you, yeah. there's early, early in his career, like in, uh, on Gentlemen, you may hear a little bit, but for the most part, he, he always kind of just kept within his range and he's got a fairly limited range. I mean, I love Greg Dooley as a songwriter, as a singer, as a guitar player, but he's not a, he's not a golden throat. You know, he's not out there dazzling you with his vocal pyrotechnics. Uh, but one of the things after having quit smoking and, and a few other things, he felt like he his voice was in better shape than it had ever been. And so that's why you see these bits of falsetto. And he also does something with it. He got, drops down a little bit lower in another song. And so this is one of the times, because sometimes the falsetto doesn't always work for me, but it works for me in this song. And I like because yeah. it starts putting everything together. 
and then there's the uh, the line that's like under the weight of the world and then that slide guitar kicks in yeah oh my god it is so fucking good and then the drums really just go and it just takes off to that next level uh, this song just fucking rocks now one of the things i've learned is to not try to delve too deeply into greg dooley's lyrics because a lot of times he just likes to say things that feel good to say at the moment i think because there's the whole line here it's like you know throw the spider on the corner of the dance floor (laughs) and i'm like i don't know what that means i i really don't i love how it sounds (laughs) you know and then when he finishes up that line with you know like a and hit three-part harmony and then just there's that looping part of the guitar that repeats and i think even the song ends with just kind of that same little bit of a loop and just the, the guitar work on this is great. The vocal work on this is great. The bass on this is awesome. This is just a lot of what the Afghan wigs do well. This is what I come for are songs like this one. And I think yeah. it's, it's just this such a great song. Uh, which brings us into track three, Demon and Profile. was uh, released as a single. I want to say this is one of the songs that came out before the album was released. Harmar Superstar is the singer. He doesn't sing the song, but he plays the singer in the video. Uh, so if you've seen that, that's not actually Greg Dooley. Um, that's, that's not Greg Dooley. Okay. I was going to say that he'd seem to have chubbed up a bit. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. The video. So, so that's all Harmar Superstar. And I love the the piano open. And there's a trick that they pull a few times on this album where they, the, the, the song starts at this one level and it's uh, and it goes for about a minute and then it opens up, it breaks and it goes to a different level and then kind of stays there. So it doesn't usually go back down. It does this jump and then stays. And this is the first time they do it on the album. Uh, so this one is just got that great piano sound to it. And once it gets you know bigger, I think there's a, a lot of fun things happening in the song. I, I really enjoy it. Don't have a whole lot to say about it, but uh, this is one that led a lot of people to the album because that was, uh, it was one of the few that was released beforehand. So what did you think about this one? You mentioned this at the intro, that this was one that caught your attention from the beginning. So uh, tell me a little bit more about your thoughts here, Casper. Absolutely. This was, this was, the, uh, it must be said as well, this is my actual favorite song from the album. Again, coming into to this album that I'm not a previous Afghan Weeks fan. So I've, I've got a blank slate, a clean canvas to look at. But this song, it really uh, hit home run. And it makes sense now you're saying that it's, it's been a pre-release, pre-release to the to the album itself. They've obviously been wanting to market the, the song uh, as as the feel of the album. It is probably also one of the more upbeat songs, if you will. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really loving the uh, the way the, the riff just keeps stepping down and down and down with this like doom, doom, doom. And then at the end, they just sort of reverse it and it just keeps, every single time I hear that song, it pumps me up. And I'll usually, I might not skip song number two, but if I do, I'll go from, uh, I'll go from Birdland and straight into Demon and Profile when I'm listening to the album. Usually I'll, I'll listen to the whole album, but if I'm wanting just to get straight into the uh, to the favorites, then then Demon in Profile is the one. I'm also loving the, the lyrics in this one. As you say as well, it it doesn't necessarily mean much, but 
you know, the, the, the lyrics, they work very well in this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few exceptions where the, I think the songs actually tell a, a complete story. I don't know if this is necessarily one of them. The next song is. So we're going to just jump on over to track four, Toy Automatic. What are your thoughts here? So this one caught me off guard, and it still catches me off guard when I'm when I'm listening to the whole album because you've just been introduced to to the darkness, if you will, of uh, of the group or of the album itself, of, of this sort of quirky, eerie feeling, uh, and then we get to Toy Automatic, which is it demonstrates why the groups why I like the group because there's something very very offbeat about it. it like I say, it catches you off guard, and also Greg Dull's voice. Um, he and I we share something as I'm also a, a indie rock or hard rock singer previous hard rock singer uh, I used to play in bands with being a guitarist and the frontman. and <laughs> what I'm saying me and Greg Dilly, Dilly we uh, we share is that we're not very good technically singers but you can hear in in, uh, in Greg Dilly's voice the textures and the character and, and you can hear when it hurts uh, this song Toy Automatic for me it it resonates many of these uh, textures very well. That's so well put. That's too often. I think one of the problems, one of the reasons why this is this band didn't get bigger than they did, is because I think you need to you need to figure out Greg Dooley's voice on your own. It's he's not. It, yeah. it doesn't get it doesn't get spoon fed to you. Uh, for for good or for bad, and I think they're kind of a slow burn band. It takes a little bit to, to really get into it. It takes a couple of listens, but once it does, once all that clicks, and then you said the shades of just like the techniques that he uses to get around what is a fairly limited instrument. Toy Automatic is one that touched me in a way that I, I didn't quite know why the first couple of listens. Like I, I like I like this song. I really like the song, and I felt emotionally pulled by it. And, you know, it's got this big percussive opening. And I think this is a really interesting vocal performance because this is where he really plays with going into his lower register, which is not something he does very often. Now, he just released a solo record uh, last month, and he does it a couple of times there. And I can see that the, the start of that comes from this song. So he is basically, this is a, a goodbye to somebody who died but he didn't okay. get a chance to say goodbye to her because they were not on speaking terms. And then she passed away and he never got to clear the air with her. So he wrote this song. And as soon as I read that in an interview, this song made complete fucking sense to me. And and I yeah. could see why it had such an emotional pull behind it because this is a really very emotional song. And one of the few times I think that the lyrics make perfect sense as opposed to just sound good or fit for the for the rhythm or the meter or whatever this and, song has been writ written for for a real purpose yeah and i know that the there's a some people don't really care for this song and i think that has to do with some of the the, the background kind of stuff going on which uh, i think can be can, attributed to rick g nelson who worked with him uh on the last at least the last one or two twilight singers records and he moved over to the afghan wigs with him and so i think he was also a part of another band 
which I just had like a polyponic polyponic spree. I think he was a part of, if I remember correctly. So he would put together like these, what would duly would refer to as like a, a shell for the song. Now you may not notice everything Rick G. Nelson is doing, but if it wasn't there, you would miss it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's because he, but he, he's a multi-instrumentalist. So when he's on stage, he's usually, he's got a guitar slapped around his, around his waist. He's got a, a, a violin tucked under his chin and he's in front of a keyboard. So he's just doing whatever needs to be done. I mean, he'll play a little bit of cello as well. I mean, so he's just, you got to watch Rick in concert and it's, it's a lot of fun. I think the last tour he just played guitar, mostly played guitar, but uh, leading up to that, he was uh, just doing whatever needed to be done. And so I think he really helped set that sound for this song. And like you said, you can really feel the emotion pouring out of Greg yeah. Dooley in this song. And without even knowing, I'd wondered if maybe you'd looked it up or if you had read that as well. But uh, it's interesting that you felt the pull to it without actually knowing the story. So uh, well, I was no, glad it's not, that, you know, having, not just me. Having, having looked into it, it's... You know, obviously, leading up to this podcast, I had to try and, or I had to attempt at least, and uh, and do a bit of research about the group. But there really isn't that much to to find. You have to you have to dig quite deep on online to to figure stuff out because I, I don't know how big the band is back your way. Um, but like I'm saying, this is the first I've heard of them. It's my wife; she's never heard of them. She's quite an avid music listener as well. She has quite a diverse taste. It becomes difficult to 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 figure out well what's going on in this song and and. And now you just mentioned that he's writ he, he wrote that specific song as a, as a farewell. Wow, that just changes everything. Yeah, well, glad I could uh, help with that, and again, maybe get a little bit of, uh, deeper from a song that you liked anyway, and that was uh, hitting you in an emotional spot. Okay, so track five, Oriole. This is another one that was uh, released beforehand. And I like, because this is a good listening, because I have this one on, on vinyl, and this is a great song to finish up side one. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on in this side one, uh, a lot of different feelings and moods and textures. And this kind of retreats back because Toy Automatic really just, it builds and it builds. And there's like a, a subtle horn section to it and all this stuff. And then Oriole just retreats after that big build and it opens up with an acoustic guitar some simple keys, which almost sounds like a xylophone. Now it does kick it up uh, a bit, like I had mentioned before. Same thing with uh, uh, with Demon in Profile, where it starts at one spot and then it kind of moves itself up when the drums kick in. I really like the song, and it's also another one that it's kind of deceptive because it just has again that spooky quality to it that helps it hang with the rest of the album. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think you hit that one bang on the head it, it kind of um if if i could take two other songs from this album and make a make a third birth song out of that would be oriole and it would have come out of Bur of birdland and, uh, and arabian nights because it feels almost as if if, if we're keeping in a theme that as i said before this album for me it feels like a live concert every time i listen to it and it feels like the first act the opening act is is birdland arabian nights and toy automatic and now we move on to uh, Oriole. It's as if we're, we're we're moving into a, a new act, 
like you say, it's something different in the album, but it still manages to fit so perfectly. It still manages to have that eerie feeling, and that just follows through. Through, I think exactly what they've really been trying to do in the album is is have like a dark, eerie feel to it. Even even the album cover uh, with with the demon over the uh, over the pyramids, it, it gives that sort of uh, absurd eeriness if you will and the i, I love the uh the part where he's singing fly fly like he's dragging out the fly but for me this is like a good midsection song you know that you're you're tr you're on a good journey for this album and uh we're not at the peak yet but we're at the uh at a very solid midpoint yeah definitely so i said even if you're listening to this one on streaming or on cd it's uh, and you don't have that you know stop and flip part it's still got some meat to it but it just pulls down the pace just a little bit so that brings us to the end of side one of In Spades from the Afghan Wigs on I Fucking Love This Record, featuring our special guest, Casper Davies. Casper, let's talk a little bit about this uh, film production company that you have, Heisenbach and Media. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, um, yeah, two years ago, I, um, I'm a chef originally, and uh, two years ago, I just got to the, to the end of that career, if you will. It wasn't a, a dramatic farewell or anything. I just felt I needed to, to do something new. Prior to that, I studied online to become a graphic designer, and, and I mainly did logo design. I did your logo, as, uh, as you mentioned before. And that just sort of slowly carried its way on into to filmmaking. It, it began with a bit of photography, and I just picked up the interest, and eventually I just went full pledge in. I invested a bunch of money in, in some gear, and, uh, and now I'm just trying to learn every day something about either editing directing or filmmaking um so what we offer is mainly advertising storytelling for companies um but we do all sorts uh, it's a company i run now with my wife um, she has a specialty in in e-marketing and she just finished her master's in that a couple of weeks ago just previous to the lockdown from the coronavirus so luckily we're uh, <laughs> we're both fully pledged members now of the of the company, but that's that's what we we uh, we, we supply media video. And now I, I know initially a lot of the videos that you were posting up on Facebook and the like uh, had had a lot to do with food. So you did yeah. a lot of cool stuff with uh, showing like different like oh this is before editing and after editing or this is with this kind of lighting, this is with that kind of lighting, this is yeah. with slow motion. You did some like really cool looking, cool feeling kind of stuff, especially with food. Now, obviously with your background as a chef, were you at maybe at one point going to try to specialize in food stuff or was that just what you had available yeah. or? So, so obviously naturally from the beginning, that was kind of where, as you say, it was, it, it was where it progressed from being a chef into something more, creative more storytelling if you will and uh, yeah it was perhaps the easy easy solution albeit i still do a lot of uh, food related stuff but the company was actually called in the beginning the gastro media project so if anyone listening has heard of it that's now now no longer called the gastro media project it's called heisenbaker media the name itself it comes from my, my time as a chef it's a bit of a stupid story, but it's uh, it's stuck nonetheless. It's it comes from a time when people would used to ask me what was the special special ingredient, and well, I'd always just blankly stare them in the face and say it's cocaine or crack or <laughs> any kind of drug, <laughs> and you know, then it all built into this thing with my colleagues to say, yeah, it's it's Casper, it's Heisenberg and from from Baking Bad, or <laughs> you know, so that's that, it, it just it just naturally went that way, and then you know, I felt I needed some solid name that people probably wouldn't forget, and uh, Heisenberg and yeah, that was it. 
I've recently started a YouTube channel where I'm breaking down more of, a, of, of the, the projects I'm doing in sort of a more in-depth way. I'm trying to keep the Facebook page as more of a, um, more of a product page, more of a professional sort of second website. And over on Instagram, I have my personal business page, if you will, where, where there's a lot of just mixed mash jumble it's a bit of the everyday day-to-day what i'm doing if i'm editing or if i'm if i have edited a project you know instagram's the place to go to see sort of the behind the scenes um which is just at heisenbacon media uh and the same for facebook but that's more of a more of a website it's becoming more of a website before it was a bit of everything but you know as as, as it grows you need to to clean things up and on youtube it's also heisenbacon media and casper davies uh, and that's more of a, you, you could say that's more of a professional's look, or a professional side from 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 a filmmaker's uh, view. But it's it it's that's new, so it's um, slowly it's going to become something that uh, I hope most of my audience they can uh, they can follow onto. But that's where I am. That's terrific. So if anybody needs to avail themselves of any type of uh, media services, uh, please contact my buddy here, Casper Davies, Heisenbacon Media. Uh, you'll find it. I'll leave some. Uh, I'll leave some links and and whatnot when the uh, when the show airs. So I wish you the best of luck with that. So everything I've seen is, has look, just really looks fantastic. And so uh, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping to see. Uh, I'm hoping one of these days you can refer to me as the little people that you don't talk to anymore. So I mean, you know. Thanks very much, Eric. And now. A word from one of our friends. Hi, everyone. Matthew and Kyle here from Audio Judo. You ever wonder why certain songs get stuck in your head and you can't get them out? There's an answer. It's science. Were you ever curious about why Pink Floyd broke up? Or maybe you're interested in finding new music or bands? Then Then we're we're the the podcast podcast for you. Audio Judo, podcast of music discovery. www.audiojudo.com Or wherever podcasts are podcast. Back to the show. Okay, so we're going to flip the record over. Track six, Copernicus. What do you think about this one? So this riff, uh, it also aids very nicely in uh, in the darkness of the album. It's it's quite distorted on the guitar and the bass, which I really like, especially as a guitarist myself. I like when in an album such as this that they they do play around a bit with the effects because you don't want it to become too monotone. And in this song, um, thankfully they add a little bit of uh, a little bit of beef to the uh, to the strings. I'm I'm a bit curious uh, if you could tell me where the name Pernius comes from because for us both living in Poland of the obvious thought goes to Nikolai Copernius. Uh that would be my guess. I I haven't done any research specifically on this song about the title and I've never heard anybody talk about why. So I just assume that uh, Greg Dooley knows that I'm a big fan that I live in Poland so he wrote a song called Copernicus. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's the attitude I'm taking. That must be it. <laughs> Uh, I think with this one is just it's a little bit kind of boilerplate uh, alt, you know. It's like it's got the big heavy riff, doesn't do a lot with it. It's a nice way to start side two. This is not one that I go back to all the time. It reminds me a little bit of Parked Outside, which was the opening track off their previous record. It's not bad. It's just I think nothing special. 
but I think it breaks up a little bit of that. Uh, you know, Oriole was kind of a, a little bit down tempo, and then this kicks off that side two with just a little bit of muscle. But then that wanders over into track seven, The Spell. I love the organ that opens this one. Uh, and it's got a really nice little strut to it. You can hear some violins going around in the background. And then this is another one that just really opens up. Being called The Spell, and we've already talked a bunch of times about how this whole album just kind of has that something creepy that's hanging it all together. And I think you get a lot of that in this one. I think this is a really fun song. I, I really like what's going on here with, the, with side two now. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, so I, I quite much agree with you that the uh, the spell, the name is, is super appropriate for the album. I feel like also that, uh, again, you can hear in uh, in Dooley's voice that there's emotion going on. He's, he's playing with, with the tones. He's, he's, the, the song itself is quite playful. It's one of the more playful songs on the uh, on the album. Um, I like I like there's 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 quite a quite a variation of, uh, of what they've been doing here compared to some of the previous uh, songs. Especially with that sort of buzzsaw sounding, um, I guess it's the keys that's doing that. But it has like a, a nice undertone of a, of, of a saw being being used. Yeah, it's a it's such a good one. Track eight, light as a feather. What do you think of this one? Right. So light as a feather. I really love the underwound sound between uh, between the vocals and guitar. I couldn't tell you what the effects are running through the strings, but if if I had to guess, I'd probably think it's a it's a phase shifter. Also, in the light as a feather, I feel too with the spell, but especially on light as a feather, I feel you can you can really grasp the fact that this this group has a lot of uh, inspiration from soul, um, which is as far as I know, what the band is quite famous for, having a bit of a, a soul inspiration to it. Yeah, definitely. That's that kind of sums up for me, really. That that's that, it's it's a great song, but it's it's not one of the songs that it's a nice listen. It's it's just not something that really grabs much more attention for me. Oh, okay. Because this is this is the motherfucker right here. I fucking love this song. This is my favorite. So this is my favorite song on the album, and this is everything that the Afghan Wigs does great in one song. I love this song. This the the way that it opens up with you can kind of hear like those spooky noises in the background. It's like I don't even know what that is happening, but it's right there at the intro, and uh, it's got that little sharp guitar to start, and then it's got a bass line that's just it's lurking you know it's waiting for you to not pay attention to it and then it's going to pounce on you and it's going to destroy you you know uh, and then the second guitar comes in on the other channel and it's got that really bright uh you know just down tune to it and it's almost it reminds me a little bit of um 
almost like reggae, but not quite, you know? So it's like yeah. in stuff influenced by reggae, like you're listening like the, the police or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just got that sharp little, and it's got a little bit of a pause where it doesn't quite finish the note when you think it does. It's like half a second later. Uh, and I love that. Cause it's like you had mentioned earlier, it's like sometimes this album keeps you waiting just for that extra second. And then it all just comes together. It all just comes crashing in together. And, you know, when he's like, he goes, I said, ooh, and then it just, everything happens. There's the hand claps. And this song just, this song walks around with a fucking strut. You know, this is just, <laughs> this song bounces. This is a song that I wish you would, I, I'd like to hear. There's every once in a while that the, the Wigs put together a song that I want to hear in a dance club with like real booming speakers and maybe just a little bit of a, of a remix to it. And this is one of those yeah. that I would love to just, you know, like see a sweaty dance floor uh, with this one. And man, I love this song. It's, it's just so good. It's, it's probably also one of the more radio friendly songs on the, on, on the album itself, because like you say, it has that nice strut to it, which uh, it's, it's got more mass appeal out of the other songs on the, on the album. Yeah, probably that it, it was. Uh, I'm surprised that this one didn't get a, a, a release. So when I, because I toured, I did a stand-up comedy tour, and before I went on that tour, I, I put together a little video, or with the help of uh, our friend, I don't know if you know uh, me, Hadjubenyak, uh, but he put together uh, a little thing for me, and we used a, a little portion of this song. It was you know, so me getting ready. Uh, so it's like I start off in a t-shirt, but then I end up with you know, because on stage I tend to dress nice, and so it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, and he put it to this one and it was just great. I must have watched it myself like 27 times in a row just because I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we go into I Got Lost. And this one feels a little bit like a placeholder, especially after, you know, these first three, like Copernicus, while not the most exciting song, I mean, it's like this heavy little blast at you. And then the spell and light as a feather, I think just work really well together. And then before we get to the final track, we have, I got lost. And it's one that I wish was maybe just a little bit, I don't know, a little more up-tempo. Uh, I, I see why it is where it is, and I, I, I get the point. You know, so it starts off basically like a piano ballad, and it does move a little bit, but ultimately, I feel like this is just acting as a separator between track eight and ten. But what do you think about it? Well, I think this is uh, one of the songs we we both agree a lot on because some of the other songs we've had a, a, a diverse opinion on. Uh, for me, I, I, you, you obviously remember Pink Floyd. During the Wall album, there was mm. a lot of interludes uh, in this album, and as you mentioned here, placeholder. This song isn't really necessary. It's it's. I always used to refer to these songs as sort of a, a, a disc filler or a or an album filler. Like you know, we we need we need, the 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 the, uh, the label ask for ten songs. They're going to get ten damn songs. This is not uh, like you say. It could be a bit more upbeat. It could be a bit more. Um, you you are winding down because it is the end of the album almost, but still, it's it it feels like it's um, it wasn't really necessary. This song, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. 
I, I wish it had a surprise for us. I, w- I wish yeah. there would have been some kind of nugget in there to, to really make it worthwhile. So it, like, it's a little bit like Copernicus, not a bad song, but this is the, this is the only song that I question why it's there. Yeah. That brings us into the final track, Into the Floor. your thoughts here casper going uh piggybacking off the previous song how it it lacks a bit of a a brum that's exactly how the next song starts into the floor it 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 attacks you with a nice hard strum um and it's such a great piece to to end end the album with Uh, i love the the power from the orchestral side and again that pain in dolly's voice is so evident here like you can hear he's it's almost if i was to say that they were breaking up again as a a group it's like he's saying goodbye this time uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not that I expect they are breaking up, but there's so much raw emotion in, in Dilly, and, and that's why him as a as a frontman, it works so well. Because as I said before, he's not an, a, a technically good singer. He's not an especially tal- talented vocalist from 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 the aspect of someone that hits notes perfectly. But he performs vocals extremely well. He uh, and in this song, he really just showcases it so nicely. Yeah, this is where he, I think he gets the, the most out of his voice. You know, this is his eighth album as an Afghan wig, and he did five albums as the Twilight Singers, and put out another thing called the, the Gutter Twins with Mark Lanigan. I mean, this is a guy who's not taken a break since the late 80s. You know, he's just gone. Uh, and he knows how to get the most out of what he has. And you hear that in this song. And this also, because it was funny that you brought up Pink Floyd for I Got Lost, because this is the, the big Pink Floyd closer. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas uh, the other one feels like the, the the interlude, the kind of the tossed off thing. This is where, no, this has all those elements that come together. It's slow, but it's devastating and just it's some the showpiece. It's the yeah. motherfucker at the end there. <laughs> yeah, and at the very end of the song, he does this chord change, and it drove me crazy because I'm like, where do I know that from? Where do I know that from? And it sounds a lot like something off of the wall and it's this uh, mm-hmm. one of the instrumental tracks which is why it took me forever to place it but it's the song that's uh, just before uh, young lust uh, and so i would love because greg dooley is really known for the afghan wigs are known for uh, putting other songs inside of their songs so not necessarily okay. sitting down to do a full cover but he may just throw out three lines from another song inside one of his songs and i yeah. hear that and, and you know live not obviously not in the studio but and I, I hear this song and it's like, oh man, I would love to hear this song transition into the instrumental, which transitions into uh, Young Lust, which and then that song ends with uh, the European phone ring. And then he's got another song on a different album that starts with that. And I want him to go, you know, it's like I have this whole live thing going on in my head yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. starts with this song, goes into two Pink Floyd songs, and then finishes with a Twilight Singer song and everybody's heads just explode. I, I, I don't know I who. I could so much see that as well. So good. Yeah, I love this song. He has really known for, I type, just puts together really great album enders. Sometimes they're super long, like uh, the song Faded. 
off of uh, Black Love is just one that I think is considered to be his magnum opus as far as you know closing tracks go. And he doesn't disappoint on this one. I really I love this song, and uh, unfortunately, when I saw them tour for this they didn't play the song so i haven't got to hear this one oh, live yet but one of these days i will they wouldn't add that yeah. that's uh that's yeah. unacceptable <laughs> i was really hoping but it said we got faded and faded is a great one but uh, yeah so it was one of those if i would have gone to the show before i think i would have gotten it or the show after one of those kind of things so that brings us on to our final thoughts casper what do you got for me here as i said uh, from the beginning the album as a whole for me it really feels like a live concert and I have not been lucky enough to, to strum upon this band before you mentioned this album to me, but if I had, I'm fairly sure I would have uh, followed them for a longer time. If if I was to suggest a, another album to people that like this album um, or the band, I'd, I'd actually go to, to my home country of Denmark and, and take a band called Dizzy Miss Lizzy. They just came out with a new album two weeks ago called Alter Echo, which it's not similar in the sense that it's eerie as this this group but they've been around for a long time as well and they're, they're talented in a way just as um, just as much as the afghan wigs are um so yeah that's 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 sort of sums up my thoughts i'm not familiar with them i will have to check them out it sounds vaguely familiar and i have a buddy who's danish so i don't know if maybe he's brought them up or if we heard something about them when we were when i was the in denmark or whatever he may have they're not very big outside of denmark um, but I'll, I'll link them to you later on. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'm, I, I always love checking out new music, especially if something that's uh, made you think of it from the from the Afghan wigs. So I really love this record. I, I like both of the, the records that they released after reforming. Uh, I do miss the Twilight Singers a little bit. I don't think there's a huge difference between the Twilight Singers and the these last two Afghan wigs records. But this is this is a good one. It's got some of, some of my all-time favorites by them. And when I saw them on tour for this album, one of the things that I appreciate because they don't have that one huge album that they can rely on when they tour. So it's not like going to see some band from the 90s. It's like going to see Better Than Ezra. You know, everybody wants to hear six songs off a of deluxe, you know, maybe one other thing, and then they don't give a shit about your new music. Whereas yeah. I find with the Afghan wigs, because they just didn't have that, they have to keep putting out new music and they have to keep putting out good new music and one of the things that i love is the every the you know the last couple of times that i've seen them live when they toured behind this album they played i think six tracks off this album and then they played at least four or five from the previous album so two-thirds of the set was the last two albums that they've done and the crowd was totally into it so there was people obviously you know yelling out for a couple of the old classics and in poland they loved the the, the uh, song miles is dead because the hook on that one is don't forget the alcohol <laughs> so there's people calling for that but it's not like you know you're going to see def leppard and if they're like this is a song from our new album and that's when you know it's impossible to get a beer because everybody's left uh yeah. you know so that that's doesn't happen with this band and that's great and i think as much as i i always wish them bigger success i think we get better albums because they haven't really achieved it this is uh maybe who knows if this will be the last thing they do like i said greg dooley has now put out a solo record um and whether he's going to return to any of the names or if he's going to just continue for the rest of his career as greg dooley remains to be seen i think he's going to keep the afghan wigs uh i think he's going to keep it going we'll see i hope but in, in the meantime he's still putting out music and i'm glad when other people finally listen to me and i say nice things and they decide to take a listen so i appreciate that casper <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanks for recommending them to me, Derek. 
Oh, he's happy to do so. So uh, that's going to be the end of the show here. Before we go, if uh, you would like to co-host an episode, why don't you uh, send me an email at lovethisrecord at gmail.com and uh, maybe suggest a record for us to do. If you check out my website, there's a, a wish list there, lovethisrecord.com. Let's get this thing done. In the meantime, that's the end of it for the Afghan wigs and spades. Guest host today has been Casper Davies. Casper, once again, thank you so much and goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can find all of our episodes at lovethisrecord.com. Intro and outro music by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers.